Hey there, we're those sci-fi guys, and this is that those sci-fi guys show. Just two working dudes, different lives, different jobs, but a whole lot of love for science fiction and the fun that comes with. We are your hosts. I am P.S. McKay, and hold on, I'm... this just in: breaking news. What? Get it? Breaking news. News broke. We go to DT Cavman for the story. Tonight we're going live, as opposed to other nights when we're only kind of half alive. <laughs> uh, in most parts of the country, it is election night. So... all parts of the country, but that's okay. Uh, not in Kentucky. That being said... <laughs> Nothing good comes out of Kentucky anyway, except Tennessee whiskey. Oh, wait, hold on. That didn't make sense. Kentucky bourbon. <laughs> if you're a brown liquor guy. Oh, this just in. That's right. Kentucky bourbon beats Tennessee whiskey in a no-holds-barred arm wrestling match. Some bitch. Some bitch. Well, I got to rearrange my entire lifestyle now. But Tennessee then knifed the guy from Kentucky. That sounds like Tennessee. Was it around, around they Memphis? They volunteered to do it. <laughs> oh, goodness. They volunteered because the joke is that they are the Tennessee volunteers. I don't think a lot of people would have gotten that. But no. I did. I did. And I appreciate it. So... <laughs> What do they volunteer for? War of eighteen twelve, um, or or the state the state uh, militia? I think they volunteer uh, at uh, charities. <sighs> You're not giving me a real answer, and we're not going to go ahead and Google it because you know we're just going <laughs> to leave the audience hanging right there. Perhaps volunteers so. <laughs> may or may not be. Gray coated. Oh. Oh, they were on that side, weren't they? <laughs> Although a good chunk of the eastern part of the state actually attempted to secede. Uh, that's right. I forgot about that. Fun. Most of the Appalachian people didn't really give two shits about fighting for slavery. No, because Hence they were too West busy Virginia. fighting for their lives every day. Yep. That's why you yep. get West Virginia. A very fascinating state. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Have you, did you ever, have you ever watched Have you ever watched um Moonshiners on History Channel? No, but I did drink some moonshine this past week. We talked about that, yes. Um, did we talk on air about that? I don't remember. Perhaps the moonshine was that good. Moonshine might have gotten to you, yeah. I think we did. But moonshine is pretty decent, as long as it's done right. Because, man. And if it's not, you'll go blind, because that was the thing. I had one shot of moonshine in college like genuine moonshine that my roommates made one shot. It was the worst decision I ever made. It was awful. Yeah. I mean, I, I 
it was one shot and I was dying of uh, heartburn for the rest of the night. It was awful. <laughs> that thing was on fire. Goes down so smooth. Oh, God. It was bad. It was bad. So anyway. Well, my friend. We are in the midst of election night. I'm watching the returns. Midterm elections. Midterm elections, yes. It is 2022 after all. And sometimes we do post a little late. So maybe this will go out in 2023 and you might be confused. So who knows? Although we're all up to date on publications, by the way. We are. Yeah, there's no other. I've gone back through my reviews. So. (laughs) Um, But. Did you vote? I always vote. It's probably heresy to actually ask you if you voted as a as a. A citizen who served, but well, here's the thing. Uh, for many, many years, I couldn't tell you. It was kind of frowned upon, and in some points, kind of contrary to the Uniform Code of Military Justice to discuss politics openly, and such. Um, well, we still know. adhere to that on this podcast. Yes. So <laughs> yes, I voted. And who I voted is no one's damn business, but this uh, right here. Have you ever been confronted by someone who really wanted to know that you really aren't comfortable to talk about with? And they're like yes. incredulous. They're incredulous at the idea that you don't want to share it. Uh, I think I was trying to be painted into a corner. Uh, basically, the really? week after Obama was elected the first time in 08. I was uh, leaving my work, uh, my recruiting job in New York, uh, and went That's to. That's right. You were recruiting back then. Work out in the gym, and I was coming in uniform. And this gentleman stopped, and you know, while, while I was at the desk, and it was one of the employees, and was grilling me. You know. Grilling you. Basically, yeah. Let's just say our skin tones were not the same. And I think this guy was trying to find out if white people voted for Obama. Um, a whole lot did. Uh, uh, a whole lot did. <laughs> I think a vast, a vast swath of them did. <laughs> if I had gone with my normal response of it's no one's damn business but my own who I vote for, that may have gone well. Uh, Probably. Well. Even but, if you, again, it is still nobody's business who I vote for. Well, I would never tell for. someone, even and if I think that they voted for the same really person. Really inappropriate to ask. It really is. It's like your salary. I mean, we have we have uh, anonymous ballots for a reason. And, and don't don't ask me what those don't t- don't ask me what those reasons are. It's just for public safety, basically. But, you know, uh, to be honest with you, I was definitely offended by it. The guy was trying to paint me as a military officer into a corner. Right. And I probably didn't give him the answer he was looking for one way or the other. Well, good for Uh, you. I mean, you shouldn't have had you you weren't you you didn't owe him that answer. I don't owe anybody that answer. My my wife knows it. My parents know it. I 
my father-in-law has tried repeatedly to get me into political discussions and I <laughs> absolutely positively refused to this yeah. day, even though I can now say whatever the fuck I want. Note that the vulgarity is actually used for punctuation of a point. I agree. I, and, and that's okay. I'm all right with that. You've got your outlet here. It's technically your idea to have this outlet, so whatever. <laughs> Let me be clear. Uh, you know, I there is something interesting about politics. And for a time, I actually wanted to be a political science major. I did about a year and a half as a political science major before I was like, eh, no, yeah. I don't want to do this going forward. But... I did very much. I learned a lot in some of these classes. I know I've told you before, one of my political science classes, uh, my ideologies class, was taught by a uh, member of the Afghani, uh, the Afghani government in exile back in prior to 9/11, and then he, after 9/11, he went to Afghanistan to work with the Afghani government. So. Yeah, uh, I, I I found that very inspiring. That was that was wonderful to see and hear. I mean, I didn't see it, but um, I was not a political science major. I, I I worked in psychology, but as one of my um side classes, what do you call it? Electives. I uh, I chose geopolitics. Intro to geopolitics, and that was freaking fascinating. That was amazing. That's basically international politics, but uh, it it talked about the the. It explained basically for the last hundred fifty years where we where we were and how we got here, and it blew my mind. And by the way, this was this was my freshman years before nine eleven. So, <laughs> well, that changed a lot of things for it. Changed a lot. It changed it, a lot, it, but. It, it, it included uh, entertainment as well, really. Yes. Yes, it did. A lot of TV shows changed. Things changed in, in TV and such. Well, NBC used to have all New York City-centric shows, sitcoms. And then after 9-11, it just stopped. It didn't stop, but I also think that's more of a... Um, Trying not to, I mean, everybody got sick of every TV show being New York or L.A. That was it. Yeah. It, 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 you get a broader audience when you have more shows in different areas. Boston became a big hotspot. Chicago, another hotspot. But then you're, you're seeing places like Atlanta get, and then, hell, Montana's gotten huge with Yellowstone oh and Big Yellowstone. Sky. Pulling. Oh, my God. Yes. Yes. And the Connors coming back, I mean, originally under Roseanne, and then they brought back. Well, weren't they, they Chicago? Uh, uh, they're Illinois. They were they were a working class suburb. Of, uh, you, had to, you had to travel to Chicago. It was a long way to go, but yeah. Yeah, I get you. I mean, you'd have the occasional place somewhere, but New York, I think people just got sick of New York and L.A. being the only places for TV shows. It felt yeah. like New York was the center of the universe growing up. And it yeah. was a place that I didn't want to go. Well, <laughs> kind of like Marvel. Marvel 
It's New York, very New York heavy. This is true. Yet Ant-Man takes place in San Francisco. Well, which yeah, I'm fine it's with. Not, it's not holy. I mean, we're going to go Wakanda here soon. But I wasn't. I wasn't trying to be a. a I wasn't trying to be a dick about that. I was just saying, I was pointing out like you they, were they trying, tried to, but I, I you did a, you did succeed at it though. I was just trying to say that Marvel in the MCU was trying to pull out of the Manhattan centric situation. They did it. I mean, with the first MCU movie with Iron Man, he was he was in L.A. when he wasn't in New York. I know, because <laughs> it served the purpose to have him in New York for the Avengers movies. Uh, uh, yeah. Let's not forget Howard Stark was a New Yorker. That's true. That's where he had the, the World Stark Expo. Yeah. So, I mean, Iron Man 2 split time between New York and L.A. And D.C., where he had to fight his greatest foe, Gary Shandling. Hail Hydra. I was just thinking about him today. I was just thinking about him. Another comedian we've lost. And I was thinking about his last, his last, the last time we saw him in the MCU. I don't know if we, he appeared in anything else after uh, the Winter Soldier. But he no, but looks, that was a pretty good, that was a pretty good. He looked good. degraded. Well, I mean, he looked puffy in both of them and of course yeah you know, that can either come with age or treatment thing, medication so. yeah treatment but that's uh, true steroidal yeah. treatment yeah well let's not forget that gary shandling great comedian and such but i mean they they go and ahead and pull this rando character out of iron man 2 and drop him into <laughs> one of the best marvel movies of all time in Winter Soldier, which was yeah top three, fantastic. yeah top easy. Three. And that was a fairly that that was, and of course it makes sense when you have Robert Redford on board, but it was very much a political and spy thriller as a superhero. Yeah, movie. it was. So that's why it was just so good. It was so well appreciated, and it turned Captain America into a. A more accepted character. Uh, he was. I, I believe me. The first. The first Avenger. Love one of it. my favorite. One of my favorite MCU films. But I loved every second of it. I thought it was fantastic. And if I had seen the the JD Salinger, Junior or whatever Chris Salinger, Captain America from 1990, I had seen the first 30 minutes of that movie. Oh, it's awful. <laughs> It's awful, but I saw parallels. Uh, I had seen that before I saw for the the first Avenger, and I was thinking, "Oh God, it's following the it's following the 1990 movie," but it's it's better. How is it better? What what did this film director do that was so different from Roger Corman? <laughs> budget, I guess. I mean, they had editing. budget for music. They had budget for actors they had budget for screenplay. oh my god yeah <clears throat> you know you were able to pull hugo weaving in and tommy lee jones yeah no that's true well they were able to get tommy lee jones because he didn't have to wear makeup 
and he sat down most of the time. And he got to play Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah, he didn't really act very much. (laughs) So, and he got to sit next to, um, uh, what's her name? Captain Carter. What's her name? Haley. Haley Haley Atwell. Thank you. Who, by the way, lived in, uh, she, she's, uh, uh, she has a dual citizenship in America and she would come to America. She's our age. I saw a picture of her when we were 14. A couple years younger. Uh, more or less our age. Less. Mm-hmm. Whatever. She's dating Tom Cruise now. It doesn't matter. I didn't she grew think a beard. she was anymore. Well, she grew a beard for a time. So, whatever. What now? Your jealousy showing. It is showing. Oh, my God. So bad. <laughs> so political thrillers. Yes, political we're not going to talk about that. Fiction. Political science fiction what is the title of tonight's episode. Your idea, by the way, brilliant, brilliantly well done. And I only really had the... one drink when I came up with it. <laughs> In Folks, the spirit, so you know, this whole thing. Of, I don't drink near as much as you guys might think I do. I always do no, when I know we that. do podcasts, though. Yeah. Um, I just don't want people getting to the impression that I'm a lush. No, I know you, you, you're, 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 you're beveraging, as I like to call it, consists mostly around the podcast. Or football. Football, which is on once a week. Hello. Twice, if you like, college and pro. Eh, TCU pulled it out really well, didn't they? Number four. Mm-hmm. Go Frogs. Now, I, ha- I, I technically have to root against them from here on out. You know this. But SC doesn't have a chance in getting to the, 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 the playoff. Well, then, um, go ahead and root for them because <laughs> all the other teams are the usuals. Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State. I mean, if you're doing Alabama or Auburn or Clemson, I mean, come on. I'm so tired of seeing those there's two like in 15, the perennial there's top. Like, there's like 10, 15 teams that are always there. You know what isn't always there? TCU. TCU. No, I agree. You know what isn't always there either? USC. No, but they still have... Uh, they're a blue blood. A, they're, yeah, they still have that national recognition linebacker you and all that stuff um run backer you but uh, running back you but that's fine willie mcginnis bitch yeah junior sayo mm-hmm. boom so <laughs> 55 for both 55 Needless so to anyway so I, I wanted to segue into this. Uh, I voted oh, by two. The way, and if you want to talk about politics, go ahead and talk about the college football playoff. Oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> there will be there will be stabbings, <laughs> broken broken bottles, and and stabbings to the heart. So so speaking of Klingon politics, <laughs> so we're going to talk about 
mm, not necessarily political episodes, but election slash political episodes of sci-fi. And we might have to go ahead and dive into some of the movies as well. Um. Okay. Okay. Well, let's start off with with like the most obvious one first, and that is, and actually probably one of the most controversial. You're right. Idiot. Oh yeah, yeah. No, that's true. That's true. Well, I think everyone on both sides of the aisle is like, it's so coming true. <laughs> um, Battlestar Galactica. The episode where Gaius Baltar runs for president. Yes. Probably a couple of episodes, I think. It it was like, I mean, it's a serialist show. It led up to it. But you had you had uh, President. Oh, shoot. What was her name? Madeline. Uh, let, 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 Laura Roslin was the president. Laura remember. Roslin. After a time, they decided that they needed a vice president. And Baltar was named the vice president. Yes. For Laura Roslin. Because he yes. was well respected. He was a well respected scientist. Mm-hmm. And they mad as a hatter. Yes. Now I don't recall very much of season two that easily. Because a season the first half of season two aired. Before I really got into it and I watched the DVDs all the way up to it and I was rushing to get up to up to um, date with the actual broadcast episodes. So second season, the first half, we don't really want to talk about the second half. It was all about finding, you know, going to New Caprica. They found a planet within a nebula that wasn't exactly ideal. But it wasn't Earth either. And no, but it was the, relatively livable. It was livable. And a lot of people wanted to stay there. And the election was coming up. And Rosalind was like, we, we don't want to be here. We need to continue to find Earth. And let us not forget Gaius Baltar, who was running against her in this new election... Gaius Baltar was pretty much responsible for the death of all humanity and the 12 colonies. I, literally. And because of his, 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 his massive libido and his inability to, to actually see that he was doing damage. And he still really never took responsibility for what he did to the colonies at this point. Never, and no one knew. Honestly. No one ever found out about it. No, no. one did. Funny, in retrospect, I mean, number six in the red dress, I mean, a blind man couldn't miss that one. (laughs) Yeah, and they got away with a lot in that that pilot, by the way. They got away with a lot. Hey, nothing wrong with a glowing spine. So Dude, they practically started off with child murder with infanticide. I mean, I know, yeah, they, they got did. away with a lot. You heard, you heard it, you heard it. Ugh. That was bad enough. And by the way, I'm so glad I saw that before I had children, before I was engaged, before I was oh, married. Same. Because your oh. brain chemistry changes 
when you get engaged, when you get married, when you have children. And the biggest change is when you have children, your brain chemistry switches completely. Yeah. I can't I can't watch that scene. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Um that being said, so we have an episode as the audience, we know Baltar is completely responsible for the destruction of humanity and all of their ill gains since in the last two years. He decides to run for president and he has a lot of followers, a lot that want to stay and create new Caprica in that nebula. I think that was basically his platform, wasn't it? It was. It was. And Rosalind and Adama, Admiral Adama, just couldn't stand for that. They wanted to go for the greater good. Now, here's the question. You know, this was a good quandary because we knew that Baltar, not a good dude. And it wasn't a good idea to stay at that planet. But Baltar wanted power because that's who he was. And a lot of people wanted this to stay there. Part of Baltar's issue was his fear that people would find out. Of course. Yeah. Which so give the people he, what they which want. Which is kind of why he threw himself into the whole Cylon detection thing. Mm-hmm. You know, and... and he, was, he was a bit of a wreck when she basically told him, yeah... You know, while we were hooking up and you were giving me all this proprietary information, we used it to take down your defenses. <laughs> He's like, uh. she was kind enough to sacrifice herself against the nuclear explosion. Yeah, because that's how that works. <laughs> well, apparently it did because he was fine. He had a couple scrapes on his face and she was vaporized. So. <laughs> But, um, yeah, so Adama and Rosalind are sitting here going, it looks like we're going to lose this election. And this is not the right direction that that these people need to go. And they do what protagonists never do, which is what I loved about Battlestar Galactic, because they really just grade everything. This was this was this was. Game of Thrones before Game of Thrones came out as a oh, series, but, you know. They 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 graded they graded <laughs> so much. Most of the color palette was gray, and they literally did what everybody's accused each other in like the last several elections of doing. Oh, there's missing ballots. Oh, one side is is. You know, cheating or stuffing the ballot boxes or, you know, letting illegals vote or, you know, having the dead vote or all these things. But, yeah, there was. um, When didn't they swap the ballot box? Kind of think a few ballots. They did. They did, because it was Lieutenant Gaeta that noticed that there was a discrepancy in the process handling of the boxes. And <laughs> um, Gaeta noticed it. And I don't know. I, I, I think he notified Baltar. Because you're not... Gaeta, by the way, not a bad guy. Probably didn't... Probably not didn't a, not want... Not at the time. No. 
he but, was just being a dutiful on. officer. He went to an authority figure. He's like, hey, I think there's some discrepancies here. And he then the jig was the quality up. Of democracy. Right. The jig was up. And then all of a sudden, oh, hey, we found these, these the rest of the ballots. Mm -hmm. you know, everybody, like a domino was like, oh, yeah. Shit. Oh, hey, I think we found uh, the rest of them. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> great. But you as the audience were rooting for the people who were doing the bad thing to win and go against democracy. Well, remember how we also kind of rooted for the, the guys who were getting ready to blow themselves up the following season. Well, I mean, this was an entrance into that, right? <laughs> Battlestar was a gateway drug to deep political thinking. Very, very much so. And... I mean, we've talked about that episode and, and everything. Um, but I remember walking away from that episode going, holy shnikes, just that was a lot to take in and very oh, yeah. well done, like so exceptionally well done. So it the was. good guys got caught. They got caught uh, falsifying the election. I don't think they got arrested or anything, right? No. Was there any was trail like, oh. to them? I think Baltar might have suspected, but there wasn't, you know, there wasn't really much they could do. Yeah. It was like, oh, yeah. wait, we found all the ballots, and I guess you won, dude. And he's like, cool. <laughs> As decree, we'll be going to New Caprica. We'll be taking the fleet back to New Caprica. Because they were already on their way leaving New Caprica looking for their next lead for Earth. Yes. And then they have and a go boom time. Where they they did a one-year leap. Now, first there was the giant explosion. Oh, that's right, because he found six. It, but it wasn't the same six. She had no, been... it, it was the one who had been... The girlfriend of Abused. Admiral Ro, Ro Laren, who then escaped, and Baltar kind of sheltered her. Yeah, but she had been abused. Yeah, only after, uh, you know, the uh, Admiral Kane had discovered that her lover was a Cylon. Right. I'm not saying it was right, but, you know, if you found out that you were sleeping with the uh, an enemy agent, I think you might lose your shit, too. Yeah. Yeah, I would, too. I would, too. But because of that abuse, it forced her, who, by the way, had relations with Baltar. Wasn't the same six, by the way. He thought it was. But not. It wasn't the same six. Um, and it was, for some reason, that was the trigger point. Because I just remember the the election happens, and they're heading back, and then... She sets off the atomic bomb in the is the atrium ship. Cloud nine. I think. Cloud nine. Yeah. She sets it off and she's all conflicted and upset and crying like this, this damaged cry like the, this, this you, you can't get a handle on what this crying is all about. But she's obviously. She can't get her faculties together about it either, you know. Well, let's not forget that uh, after she was released from her captivity, she murdered Admiral Kane. 
like shot her in the face. <laughs> That's right. Frack you or go frack yourself. Yeah. Nothing like inventing curse words. I can relate. I do it quite often. It's a great word. It's a great word. And then they went ahead and used it for oil drilling or oil processing. <laughs> Well, maybe, maybe I think maybe that was the term given to it by the the opposition. Well, you're fracking the earth because you can't go mm. and say you're fucking the earth live on TV. This is true. This is true. Good point. <laughs> I make money. Don't forget that. Yes. Yes. So the unthinkable happens. The good guys lose. And then we have a year jump in in New Caprica, where this is the best transition ever. Gaius Baltar puts his head down on the presidential desk on 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 the the lead ship, and then it fades into sunlight coming in from his right. His head is still down, but then you can see women in the back in his bedroom. You know, for some reason there were, there were still like supermodel women in this in this group here. <laughs> they only After, killed the ugly people apparently i guess they did they, they did um <laughs> and then he lifts his head up and it says one year later underneath which is a mind freak i think we saw it in alias you know once before where they did that kind of thing well they've done it in a lot of places so now true but it blew my mind. It blew my mind. And and then and then the Cylons invaded. <laughs> and they had to and they had to surrender. And Baltar doesn't to give him credit. He doesn't want to surrender. He's devastated at the fact that he practically delivered the Cylons to to New Caprica's doorstep because number 1 is relation to 6 again. And she was the one that alerted them. The the fleet that was one light year away and they just read the explosion, the atomic explosion. Light year away, which was great. That's good science. That was fantastic science. So like their number was up before they even set foot and started to colonize. It's uh, it's an interesting one, my man. So, but anyway, democracy prevailed, I guess, because Rosalind was somehow appointed back to be president. <laughs> I don't know how uh, that worked out. Uh, <laughs> I think the survivors was like, eh, you're the better option. Yeah, well, they really didn't have any choice. How many people did they lose on New Caprica? It was at least 10,000, I think. Well, they lost something like 10,000 in the explosion and they lost probably you know, another maybe five. A, yeah. I mean, they, they, they were they whittled. They, they, cause the show starts out with 45,000 and change. And then at the end of season two, it's like 30,000 and change. It's, well, it's insane. their numbers bump when the Pegasus arrives. That's true. And then, yeah. Anyway, we'd be having to go back and do a deep dive because remember they used to have the running tabulation at the start of every episode. Oh, they did. You're right. 
If only I owned that whole series. It's on Peacock, I believe. Yes. Quite good. I, uh, it was an exceptional series. I, I can't I can't stress that enough. So that being said, what is uh, what's the next uh, political science fiction episode we're going to look at? How about the Klingon Civil War? I just recently watched this redemption part one and two. Ah, but it really starts as far back as Sins of the Father and Reunion. Yes. And the death of Kim Peck. Kim Peck is dying. Mm-hmm. Well, remember, even more of this started in Sins of the Father when Worf goes back to answer for the sins of his father, which, right. of course, is one of the reasons why Worf accepts this commendation is Picard uncovers that it was Duras's father who was the traitor. Yep. Duras was powerful. His family was powerful. He had a lot of allies. And if Worf challenged it and if the Duras family's treachery was known, it would have split the empire. And Worf basically took it straight to the heart and junk uh, <laughs> to... <laughs> Okay. To, you know, uh, take this discommendation. The stripping of everything and his honor and everything in order to prevent the Klingon Civil War. And in some ways, it's kind of like that scene from uh, Game of Thrones where Varys goes to see Tyrion in the... uh, in his new tower after the battle of Blackwater where he's recuperating from his injuries. And he's like, no one will know that it was you who saved us. They won't sing about you. They won't talk about you. They won't give you credit. But there are those of us who do remember what you did for us. That's basically what like Ken Peck and yeah. other people said. That's true. And Worf also made the deal to keep Kern's her- uh, heritage a secret to protect him as well. So Worf gave up a lot, showing that he is a very uh, honorable Klingon. He did look out for the Empire over himself, that's for sure. And, and that was, and that led to hop, skip, and a jump, of like I think it was a season later, to Reunion, where... Mm-hmm. Not only does Worf find out he's got a son, but then his uh, ex, Kalar, says, oh, hey, you know how um, you were trying to prevent the Empire from going into Civil War? Well, the Chancellor of the High Council is dying, and <laughs> we're, we're not sure who who did it, but here's the two candidates for the empire. Right. And there, there's no election. It's basically, they, they also show up and make Picard, the arbiter of succession. It's like, Hey, you're the one responsible for determining <laughs> the uh, outcome of Klingon empire. Right. Right. A federation captain. And Picard is actually faced with several 
with, with a hard choice because could he choose somebody like Duras, who is powerful and who's would keep the empire together, but who who's also known to have been wrong and conspire and backhanded and dishonorable, or do you go with the unknown, Gowron? Uh, you know, to spite the Duras family. And your house. And your house. <laughs> you can't do the Gowron voice without the bug eyes. That's true. You can't. You can't. For glory and your house. <laughs> this we do not forgive or forget. <laughs> Sometimes he also like leans his head back. So like the light yeah. in his eyes. <laughs> yeah. Like, mm. I'm pretty sure Jonathan Frakes was responsible for doing that with him. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> what can I say, man? <laughs> Glorious. But, <laughs> you know, Worf, I'm, you know, <clears throat> Kalar starts digging into Duras and that gets her murdered. And so Worf goes up on a rampage and kills Duras. Mm hmm. Earning his first black mark on his record, I do believe. He's got a few. Two specifically. The other one's in DS9, right? When it was assured that he would never have command. Yes. Which episode was that? I don't recall the name of it, but it's when he and Jadzia go uh, to extract a Cardassian agent or something. Of course, and I'd have to rewatch it, but really the fault in within that falls on Cisco, who even allowed a married couple to go on this alone mission together. This is true. Yeah, it does fall on the commanding officer. <laughs> Worf, but somehow Worf got send the him fault. with a yellow shirt. That guy dies, and you complete the mission. It happens. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> oh jeez! But these two episodes then lead to redemption, and of course, Gow uh, Duras is dead, killed in one-on-one -on -one combat. Mm -hmm. And it looks like Gowron is now unopposed to assume the throne, the the role of chancellor, until in redemption, son Betor. Lursa and Bator, the sisters of Duras, who are way more cunning and way better characters. Can I, can I just say that those Klingon costumes that they wore made me a man? Well, you can say <laughs> that. They were a bit revealing. Uh, yeah. Yeah, they were. And I mean, inner side boob, by the way. Like, you didn't get to see a lot of inner side boob, like complete inner side boob. You, you saw cleavage, but those costumes allowed for a complete inner side boob. Seriously, we're going down this rabbit hole. I'm, I said it four I thought, times. I, I thought we were much more enlightened than this. Nope. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> anyway, the Dora sisters who had be who will go on to become a great thorn in the side of Starfleet uh, 
definitely spring the old illegitimate son like Game of Thrones mm-hmm. shit. There was some <laughs> Game of Thrones shit in this. You play the Game of Thrones to win mm-hmm. or die. <laughs> but and by the way, Redemption... I think I just fixed Game of Thrones. I think you did. <laughs> Dang. Um, I gotta say that Redemption Part One and Two were not my favorite episodes, and in fact, I had never seen the entirety of those episodes until last month. My entire life. Well, first off, they bring back Denise Crosby as the great antagonist, Commander Sayla. And mm-hmm. she was excellent in the role. She was, she was awesome. She was snide. Mm-hmm. She was brilliant. Very, very well done. And she was teased in several episodes. The episode where Jordy was kidnapped. Mind's Eye. She was teased Mind's in eye. that episode. So she was a, a, a shadow. <laughs> yes. And then we saw her at the end of Redemption Part 1. Mm-hmm. Which was supposed to be the big thing that blew everyone's mind for the summer. Which I'm sure which it did. I'm sure it did. I just... I don't think I was there. I don't think I was the full star. I, I didn't have all the schedule in, you know, in hand to be able to watch the the or first run broadcast at that point. Well, let, let us just say this. There was plenty of Klingon politicking where Gowron, you know, was running. It was basically unopposed and was about to take it until Toral lays claim to the throne. Duras is a legitimate son. And then the Empire is getting ready to to maybe split. And then Kern's like, hey, I've got the support of like a few, you know, like a bunch of units, you know, like a few ships here. And mm-hmm. you've got this, you know, got a couple of sector commands that are willing to like go to the highest bidder and whoever's willing to return our family honor and. Worse, like, well, I'm the elder brother. I am a lowly lieutenant on a Federation starship where you as a captain of a Klingon bird of prey. So shut the fuck up and listen to me. <laughs> so that was Klingon family so politics. Filled with contradictions. <laughs> I mean, he, he, I am the elder brother. It sounds a lot like, Clyden, you will be silent. Yeah, Clyden, be silent. <laughs> Uh, it was <laughs> Worf basically approaches Gowron and is like, so Duras's family are traitors and mm-hmm. <laughs> I just so happen to have family connections of a few starships, maybe a few sector commands. Well, I cannot do anything for you right now. <laughs> but spoiler alert. It works out that he can when they win. Well, and here's what happens, though, is that Worf stays aboard his ship when they come under attack and the Enterprise has to withdraw. And so Worf basically pledges himself and he pledges the support of 
Hearn and Kearns. Right. Uh, you know, compatriots. And then, you know, that's when Worf's uh, honor is restored and, you know, his family name is restored. And, you and know, he, Worf, can't, he can't serve while also being a Starfleet officer. Right. So he... He resigns from Starfleet, which everybody threatens to do every other episode. <laughs> yeah, well, Will Wheaton did it, you know, mid-season. Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton. <laughs> which, by the way, I watched the Celebrity Jeopardy that uh, he he won. Oh, he won it? Yeah, he, he won his, his round against... Hassan Minhaj and Troyan Belisario. Wait, Hassan Minhaj. He was in the Big Bang Theory too, right? No, Hassan. He's. Uh, I don't know if he was. He, he's a comedian, but of course, Mayim Bialik was the host, and she and Will Wheaton were on the Big Bang Theory. Together. Yeah, <laughs> but. He ends up winning Final Jeopardy, and when he puts, you know, what his wager was. He wagered $1,701. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. Well played. And the fact that he could do that, too, by the way. He was in a position to be able to pull that off. Oh, yeah. He he, had a, he pulled the way at the end. He dominated, huh? Yeah, there was a there was a, there was a, there was a <laughs> Patrick Stewart question about Jean-Luc Picard. Oh, my God. Yeah. That, that's just stacking the deck, man. Yeah. <laughs> and he didn't get it. Somebody beat him to the punch. Oh wow! Oh. Never mind. Didn't stack the deck then. <laughs> well, I mean, you know how it is in Celebrity Jeopardy. It's a lot like Celebrity Millionaire or one of the Celebrity Wheel of Fortune. It's all loosey goosey, and so <laughs> they're all like, somebody gets it and looks at him and goes, "Sorry." <laughs> He's like, "No." <laughs> But anyway, you get some interesting uh, politics, Klingon politics. A lot of it is, you know, other times you've had Klingon cancelers challenged, like the dogs of war, where Worf challenges Gowron, who's become reckless with Klingon lives, and challenges him for leadership of the Empire, and slays Gowron in honorable combat. And Blew my ab- freaking mind, by the way. Abdicates it to Martok. Yeah. Blew my mind. Blew my mind, that wharf. We saw Gowron from his inception on the show in TNG, and then we got to see his whole political career end several years later. What, 10 years, nine years, seven years later? Something like that. It wasn't that long, but it, it felt like a lifetime. A <laughs> felt like a lifetime. To be honest, because that's what happens when you watch it in your late. He was officially installed. In your early teens all the way to your late. I think it was like seven or eight years. He was officially installed as Chancellor of the High Council. And I would assume it's 2368 and is killed in 2375. So eight years. Something like that. Yeah, that, that sounds about right. You will not win this day or something like that yeah <laughs> that was in like one of the last that that was in the final arc in ds9 right it was like the second or third last episode yeah 
God, that was a good run. That was a great run. <laughs> so Worf, who literally by rights actually became Chancellor of the Klingon Empire, mm-hmm. chose to abdicate and place it upon a far more worthy candidate, Martok. And they're literally got all these Klingons, a lot of whom were probably like, why the f- why is the Starfleet asshole here? <laughs> In all these meetings, and he kills Garon. So like, Worf, Worf, Worf. yeah. Uh, he had like, hear me, friends, hear me. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. It's good. And it's like Martok, and everybody's like, uh, <laughs> what happened? Shouldn't he kill Worf or something? Oh my God, yes. We're going to kill Worf. <laughs> kill Worf. Oh God. <laughs> but Klingon I made a politics, mistake. Klingon politics, particularly in the next generation realm, is fascinating. I found those to be the most boring episodes. That's my point. I mean, in DS9, and I said this, this isn't a surprise. In DS9, I found it more entertaining. But for TNG, it was just boring as hell. You rewatch them now, and they're they just look that much better. Oh yeah, oh uh, no, no. I and and I saw I saw Redemption, and I'm like, wow, this is really good. Like this is smart writing. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just because I was too young. I was too young for right. it. Right. You know, you also get you get to see some Klingon, some Klingon politics, and uh. Star Trek Six: The Undiscovered Country. Well, I mean, the, the, that was a complete allegory to Chernobyl and the Cold War. Mm-hmm. And Jim, they're dying. Let them die. <laughs> Let them die. Whoa, bro! I didn't realize you were so racist. Hang out with a racist against Vulcan Southerners, Doctor. That's good. <laughs> God. Uh, <laughs> oh, Jesus. But, uh, you know, the Klingon politics that we get to watch in the appropriate forehead ridge Star Trek is fascinating. The appropriate forehead ridge. You get to see some interesting Klingon politics in Enterprise, too. Remember, Captain Archer's Klingon nemesis was a man by the name of Duras. That's right. Forgot about that. He was he saved Duras. I think he did, and it was a source of dishonor. So Duras kept trying to kill him. He got he got <laughs> pimp slapped by Starfleet when he tried to attack him in the uh, yeah. I think it was the Expanse episode. Yeah, that's right. Because I was yeah. trying to figure out how, because the, the, the first contact between the Federation and, well, Earth and the Klingons was supposed to be a complete disaster. Well, it was, And it was it, not yes. that. It was not that. <laughs> I think it was interesting. Like, the first contact was uh, this stereotypical redneck farmer blasting a Klingon in the chest. Hey, he was warranted to do that. What would you do if you were confronted by a Klingon in your in your fields? 
uh, enlist them to give them the Vulcan hello. <laughs> enlist them to help me defeat my enemies and then drink blood wine all night, singing songs of glory and battle. All the time while they're like, Helkucha, ma. Okay, bless you. Here's a tissue. Uh huh. Here's some mucinex. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. So, anyway, that being said, we're going to stay in the Star Trek realm. To Earth. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway, <laughs> we're going to stay in the Star Trek world and stay in the DS9 world and talk about Bajoran politics. Who yes. would be the new Kai? Now, Bajor. You had several candidates following the death of Kai Opaka. How did she die again? Did she die in the, in the, the premiere, uh, in the no, pilot? No, she or? died in like a later episode in season one where they, she goes yeah. into the Gamma Quadrant and they crash on that planet. That's just right. Keeps resurrecting people. The planet won't let them die unless they leave the planet. And right. Been, there's been like two sides that have been fighting for like thousands of years. So she basically stays to moderate that, I guess. That's right. Like she was such a wonderful character to have that we lost. Like she was really the only person that both sides, you know, adored, which is what Kira said in the pilot. Mm -hmm. Kyle pocket was the only one that, uh, I liked Kyle pocket too. We only get, I liked what, her a lot. What do we get? Two episodes with her? Maybe. Uh, you know, three if she shows up in three both parts. Three if we're lucky. Three if she shows up in two parts in the two parts of Emissary. Yeah, I think so. I think that's what it was. I mean, they they made that decision pretty quick in the show because they wanted that political intrigue, which they did very well with. Mm-hmm. We had Vedic Baraya, Baraya, Baraya. And then, uh, and then Vedic win, and the dark horse candidate, Vedic Gauron. <laughs> May the prophets be glory to the prophets. <laughs> glory to the prophets. <laughs> may the glory. May the prophets have mercy on your soul. <laughs> Here is the orb of glory. <laughs> Tell John Tom. To the prophets. <laughs> Peldor Joy. That's what it was. That's what Peldor Joy. Thank you. <laughs> We're such freaking nerds. Oh my God. <laughs> well, you can't look at a Star Trek page nowadays without getting some, <laughs> some Gowron eyes, that, some form of. He's gone viral. He's definitely gone he viral. Is viral. Yeah. <laughs> Someone put oh a picture side by side. <laughs> this scruffy cat with these bug eyes. <laughs> oh, it's so stupid. It's so stupid. <laughs> it is. But what do you think about the scenery? <laughs> That's true. I mean, it, it, it irritates the shit out of me that it took over 20 years before Galron got his due. Like, <laughs> war, war. 
Jesus. Oh, that's fantastic. Okay. Okay. Come on. All right. All right. Vedic Pulling it together. Got to pull it together. Got to pull it together. So we were introduced after, what was it? After Kyle Paca, quote unquote, died. Because wasn't her death, like, not a death and they kept it, like, classified? She couldn't live. Uh, she couldn't live if she leave left that the planet. planet. So right. Yeah. So, uh, so she quote unquote died, and then we had we were introduced to Kai Wen, who, by the way, I you don't know this very much, but maybe one of our listeners will know. Remind I when I came across the character of Dolores Umbridge from Harry Potter Five. That remind that was that was Kai Wen, or I'm sorry, Vedic Wen. To a T, Nurse Ratchet, like this, this, this person who was all kind right here in the face, but there was something in her eyes that showed you that there was nothing but uh, space. Karen, small space, Karen. Yes, that's good. That's good. By the way, that's good. Um, But ambition that would roll you over. Deep Space Nine fucked up. They needed a scene with Gowron and Win. That would have been victory. <laughs> they never did have one, did they? No. Ducat Fascinating. Those two chewed scenery like no other, really. Oh my god. You know that song Du Host? You kept singing Ducat. No, but they could totally make a Klingon translation of Duhast and would sound almost identical. Yeah, Klingon. <laughs> yeah, there's a little guttural. So it's German. Anyway, you're right. And so Wynn is scheming. And honestly, she's dirty. She's underhanded. And she's, very unnerving. She, well, she wasn't afraid to play dirty. No. She tried to run Keiko O'Brien off the station on a rail. Yep. And despite and, the fact that she and Kira were kind of on the same page on that, nobody hated her more than Kira. You're right. Right. And that's what irritated the hell out of me. Because Vedic Brile didn't die before the election. No. He, he, what was it in that election that prevented him from being able to c- continue the election? So it turns out that Opaka let let it leak about um, about a resistance raid that was supposed to prevent the loss of lives, but the resistance cell was caught and executed, and I believe she lost her own son in it. But when it was discovered that Opaka had basically tipped off the Cardassians at one point. They buried it. Burial buried it and kind of, mm. I think he might have either buried it or like assumed that guilt. Yeah. To protect Opaka's name because they felt it would spark a civil war, which of course, Bajor was always on the brink of civil war. 
But <laughs> when eventually she becomes Kai, basically out of kind of the way that they were trying to avoid the Civil War, the Klingon Civil War. Right. Now, mind you, the Vedic election came after the Circle incident. So Circle had already um, sowed distrust and discord between the factions of the Bajoran people. So rather than let them go back into fighting like they did during the Circle incident, Burial basically, I think, acquiesced and uh, conceded the the election of the Kai to win, and actually became a, an advisor to Kai Win until yeah. she literally worked him to death when he got sick. He got the radiation poisoning, and she literally had him continue to work to get the the treaty with Cardassia done and he worked himself oh, to death. Oh, that's right. And they were putting they were putting the positronic brain in in in, in integration into him. Yeah, and basically it would have ceased to become burial. Right. Right. I was affected by that episode. Like that that killed me. I I was I was sad. Well, because burial was a fairly prominent guest character even if he didn't have a ton of appearances no uh, he was a good man was, mm-hmm. and, and put, he put his I people first yeah yeah he was a real chill kind of dude except for when he punched cisco in that wacky episode what was it fascination when they all started hooking up with each other oh god and he develops um, a crush on dax and he tries to punch cisco and fight for her Oh my Cisco's god, I don't like, remember that episode at all. That was the one where Roxana Troy comes on board the station and she's got some weird oh, menopause shit. fever that causes the crew to start acting weird. Yeah. And that's when you get to see Bashir and Kira hooking up. So it was like, oh, can can we write into an episode where I hook up with my girlfriend? <laughs> sure, Sid, let's do that. Yeah, we can do that, Sid. Oh man! Yeah, <laughs> see, I I didn't find that episode very memorable, so I chose not to. It was just fun. It was the first season was a little rough. I mean, it has this some was good season three episode. Uh, I stand by it. I don't. I don't stand by it. God, it maybe I didn't three. see it. Bryle died. I thought Luxana was. I thought Luxana was in only the the first season. No, I think she showed up in, I believe she showed up in season one, but then came back in season three and four. Remember, she ended up marrying Odo. Yeah. It was a loveless marriage. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, damn. That's interesting. Okay. Something I'll have to explore. One of the things you do see in Star Trek is there are political machinations going on. Of course, 
home front in paradise loss was all about a military coup to -hmm. try to put Starfleet basically in control of the Federation due to perceived weak civilian leadership in the face of the Dominion. And security concerns. Of course, anytime Section 31 showed up, there was all those political, you know, it's like, you know, we do all the dirty things, you know, all the things against the Federation Charter to basically make sure everybody can live by the Federation standard. Right. Which I don't know if I feel good about knowing that Section 31 is out there or not. Because let's be honest, the idea of there being a Section 31 flies in the face of what Gene Roddenberry wanted. But well, I mean, it was it all was about external threats for Gene Roddenberry. So, huh? No, stop that. It was all about external threats. It wasn't about internal stuff, right? But it kind of was. It kind of influenced. Like it was Section 31 that came up with. You know the the changeling uh, phage virus or whatever it was. Well, if you're talking about Gene not liking political stuff, just remember he gave his thumb thumbs up to Star Trek Six. But that's an allegory. This was this is different. I mean, there he, was a he, there was a the Starfleet commander in chief was teaming up with. A Romulan ambassador and a Klingon general to assassinate the leaders of the Klingon Empire and the and Federation. I, and I technically call that uh, the, the fact that both both enemies have to team up to keep fighting. I call that poor writing. Eh, there's plenty of people who <laughs> it could also be called war profiteering. Well, Job yeah, security. I mean, but. <laughs> And and yeah, there was a lot of talk by Kirk and everything like, well, well what are we to do when if if we are not at any, at odds with the Klingon Empire, which is what it was a, talked about a lot in the CIA and the FBI uh, when the Soviet Union fell. Yes, I get it. Wait, but, wait till you know Middle Eastern extremists go away. Uh, right. Hope, hope. They kind of have. It kind of happened after after 2016 for some reason. I don't know why. Like, <laughs> well, the it, Taliban's I mean, it's still back in control of Afghanistan. So, uh, nope. Well, well, I mean, yeah, they're probably biding their time now at this point. But all I can say is, I'm. I was just thinking about this today. Like, you're not hearing any shit out of coming out of Iraq. But I bet, like, stuff is happening. What are you? What are you? What are you? I'm just saying. I'm, I bet. I bet things are happening. That's awful. But we just don't hear about it now. There's other awful places. That's the problem. It's whatever the soup du jour is. It was Ukraine for a good chunk of this year. Now it's election time, so we're facing. We're we have to face the shit that's going on here. Oh, yeah, Once we have that's to face done. the whole idea of democracy itself being on the ballot, which by definition, democracy is the ballot, but that's fine. No, I <laughs> voted to keep democracy on the ballot, though. I almost voted against it, but then I realized 
Uh, How do you democracy, vote democracy? Good. <laughs> no democracy. Bad. Awful. Yeah, I, I mean, we're both in agreement there. I mean, we we both said true statements. <laughs> My allegiance to the republic, to democracy, <laughs> to democracy. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> By the way, have you watched Tales of the Jedi? Oh, uh, okay. So I saw. I feel like I talked with you about this. I so I saw the Ahsoka one when she was born. I saw the one with Dooku and Qui-Gon. We didn't know it was Qui-Gon, though, early. We found out it was Qui-Gon later. I knew it was Qui-Gon. Well, I, I mean, figured it, it was Qui-Gon. It, 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 it looks like him like enough. computer-generated and... baby Liam Neeson. Yeah. So I saw that one, and then uh, and then I just was overcome with, with fatigue, and I fell asleep while I was watching the other ones. So I got to finish it, but th- I hear they're great. I mean, the, one, the two I saw... We're awesome. They're thick. After the first week, it was still like 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Really? Wow. Yeah. Um, that's a lot. That's a lot to... <laughs> that's a lot to consider. Holy cow. Dude, I, my, my kid, I, I watched them all. And then my kid and I did a marathon of them the other night. It was like an hour and a half for all six of them. It is. It's a long. I mean, they're they're small snippets individually, but it's a long watch altogether, which is good. It's good. I mean, don't get me wrong. I just I I started it too late. So, (laughs) well, who does politics in science fiction quite like Star Wars? Oh, my God. Trade Federation issues and <laughs> which, which was that was Palpatine's plan. He used the political system against itself. Right. He created an urgent situation to emphasize the fact that the political process was too slow, and to show he Hard artificially. Garbage. He, he artificially created a problem that didn't exist, but he wanted to show that the political system for his needs was too slow. And no it caused an emergency. Representation. Well, they were all represented, and I think, pretty well, but not well enough. But, yeah. Yeah. But you know who, who shouldn't who shouldn't who shouldn't pay taxes? Miners who are employed. Under 18, if you if you work for a job, you shouldn't be taxed because you are taxed without representation because you can't vote. Boom. Yeah, that is until the. uh, Until one of these political parties decides that the the. uh, The voting age should be lower than the drinking age and lower than the. And lower than the age to join the military. Oh, my God. Because the drinking age is 21. The smoking age is 21. You can still... You can still join the military at, at And be at killed in a foreign land at 18. Yeah. But there are places that want to make allow you to vote prior to 18. At 16. Why? 
Oh yeah. my god. 16-year-olds are not smart. 18-year-olds aren't really that smart. 21-year-olds, probably the dumbest of them all. But <laughs> and I say this as a dumb 21-year-old at one point. <laughs> like <laughs> I've I've made the case. I've made my case about this before. 26 is the age. But at that point, you're beyond your physical peak. So, God help you. It depends on who you are. I know. You were, you were, a, physical, you were a physical specimen. If you're you didn't reach your physical peak until, like, 40. <laughs> I, I'm not entirely sure the rock is at his physical peak yet. Uh, no, he's still he's still climbing that mountain, man. And of course, Yoda. Although, I mean, is, is Sly Stallone still? You know, I I don't think he's reached his peak. He's seventy six, man. Yo, yo. He's seventy six. Yeah. Needless to say, Star Wars. And right now, Andor is balls deep in politics. Yes, which I, is probably I got to why episode it's five is the it's probably the least watched, but also the most critically acclaimed of the Star Wars shows. Uh, I'll say this: I mean, no one wanted an Andor prequel, so the people that are like half in the bag for Star Wars aren't watching it, but the other people. Who I are like really into while it while watching it, but you won't understand most of it. That's the problem if you're half in the bag watching it. <laughs> no, it, that's one of the ones where like you can't follow along while still like taking around on your phone or doing something mm-hmm. else. You need to listen to what these people are saying. You do. It's political machinations are right now. They're starting to reach Game of Thrones level, and we're starting to reach some of the violence too. I mean, it's going to be Disney, so it's not going to be overly gratuitous or incesty, but, you know. It'll be interesting. I know, I need to catch up. I got to the point where they did the heist, and they 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 they, they got the payroll. Uh, and then I had to stop because it was too late to, to continue on. And then I just fell asleep. So. Yeah, that was a good one. That was a really good one. Um, Star a lot Wars of death. goes well, yeah. You know, uh, most of the team dies, and if you had an epic mustache, you died. <laughs> Face it, every dude with a good mustache dies in that. It was true. Even dudes saying... with semi-good mustaches died. So you're saying Cassian doesn't have a good mustache? Not really, no. <laughs> so there As we a are. man with not the best mustache, I, I empathize. You've got a decent mustache. Stop it. Decent, but it's not like epic. And no, to be honest epic. with you, I, I don't think I have the wherewithal to do an epic mustache. I wouldn't. I I tried I tried growing my mustache out three weeks and it was too long. I just couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. The Sam Elliott kind of any time I get it. Anytime I grow a big bushy mustache, 
I have the the itch to either put on a Detroit Tigers hat or a big cowboy hat. Yeah. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> but Lord. I do have a lot of beef in Coors. Oh, there you go. Unfortunately, I'll also try to sell you on a reverse mortgage. I don't want that. <laughs> I don't need that right now in my life. Come on, Tom, need, stop with the reverse mortgage. I need the I need the equity right now, please. Yeah, old Tom Tom Selleck is. Like probably the same age as Stallone. Close. I think he's seventy-four. Actually, I say that with authority, but that can easily be verified. He's in his well, mid seventies, which well, is Stallone. I mean, Stallone. Stallone's in his mid seventies. Well, look, man, we've got, I mean, you could go through numerous Clone Wars episodes that had good political machinations. In in the Clone Wars, you actually got to see how Padme was actually a good politician. Yeah, that's true. That's true. She went behind enemy lines to try to talk to uh, a former colleague who became part of the Separatists to try to find a way to broker the peace. Tom Selleck is 77 years old. And his mustache is 62. It's stellar. It is still stellar. Man. You gotta love it. Good times. So anyway. Uh, yes, Padme. Being able to... Um, Be a good politician. Political. Yeah, being a great politician. One of the best. In the Clone Wars. And, and, and by the way, they did a pretty good job of representing... The issue between the separatists and the the republic. You don't want to say republicans because that that would be that would send a different message. <laughs> but the republic and the separatists, and and not bad for a kids show, by the way. No, and then you have, you know, even rebels kind of delves into it a little bit with you know, as they start building these rebel cells but you also start seeing them try to cultivate political alliances i mean you, you uh, in rogue one rebels and now Andor, you start to see the splintering of you know splinter groups of the rebel alliance the the arguments saw guerrera has with people is he too polit is he too extreme you know we're not extremists we're freedom mm-hmm. fighters or Luthen's plan to make the empire more and more oppressive, so more and more people will slip, you know, who will want to rise up and, and overthrow the empire. You have yep. the political class system in the imperial command structure, wherein um, Aldani, the, the commander of the base, is trying to suck up to the, the colonel from Coruscant. He's trying to <laughs> butter him up so he can get off that dirt ball. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You have, uh, in the Clone Wars, you have the Kaminoans who are always voting to increase subsidies for the war so they can keep cloning <laughs> more soldiers. You have the Trade Federation, the Techno Union, and all of these uh, different species and alliances 
Star Wars does politics decent. Pretty well. They had some clunkers. Well, Phantom Menace, you know, seeing a Senate hearing wasn't exactly the height of adventure. You can watch that on C-SPAN for free. I know, you could. <laughs> you really could. <laughs> but I can oh, see where there's some, some fascination there. I mean, it, a lot of shows do politics in one way or another, whether it's elections, whether it's political alliances, military mm-hmm. alliances is political. Yeah, I mean, and then you have things such as a fantastic political satire ahead in the polls, season three episode of Futurama. Or Nixon, or the, you know, Nixon's head in a jar runs for the president of Earth. Yeah, yeah, no, true. And he's running against two clones. <laughs> right yep. sitting there, it's like, these guys sound like clones. And he looks, oh, says, wait a minute, they are clones. Yeah. Yeah, but they have a few key differences. Oh, God. <laughs> Why would Nixon stay at the Watergate? You get a discount if you stayed here before. Oh, well done. Well done. I didn't oh, see yeah. that episode. Or if I did, it was so long ago. I don't it's have one of the classic of ones. Yeah. Morbo moderating the debate. Let us introduce the candidates. Here's puny human number one. Puny <laughs> human number two. And Morbo's good friend, Richard Nixon. Hello, mm-hmm. Morbo. How's the family? <laughs> <laughs> and Morbo then responds, belligerent and numerous. Belligerent and numerous. Nice. That's good, because <laughs> Nixon's pro-war and pro-family. <laughs> Such a great episode. Uh-huh. Tis. Tis. Oh, my goodness. Goodness gracious. And then they all decide they don't want to vote even after exposing Nixon as a crook. And then, like, it's like one like one vote ever matters. And winning by one vote, Richard Nixon. <laughs> uh, oh, my God. You know, the pol- politics in sci-fi could be... At t- could You could see something come off as ham-fisted. You could see it coming off as... Ridiculous, and Star Trek occasionally will have those kind of moments. Can't mm-hmm. lie that it won't. But there was also plenty of examples of politics. You have the Tellerites who love to argue with the Endorians who always like to shoot first, and then the Vulcans who look down on everybody. And it's the humans who bring them together. Right. I mean, uh, you see all of these fascinating things. In Babylon 5, you get a coup d'etat that, you know, a vice president actually assassinated. Assassinated Santiago. Yeah, right. President Santiago. 
which and then he starts turning it into this xenophobic dictatorship, mm-hmm. which Babylon Five rebels against and leads a rebellion against the oppressive regime of President Clark, and mm-hmm. you know they're and then all the political machinations aboard the station or between the various alien races. You have the people trying to go out and forge alliances against the shadows or with the shadows. <clears throat> you get a lot of fascinating politics in some of our sci-fi. Now we do. Now we do. Even Firefly wasn't immune. You know, for starters, the 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 independent war. Well, the brown coats. They're the brown coats. <laughs> These people who wanted more autonomy and freedom out in the out from the core worlds and they got shut down and squashed, but then you also have them uncovering that the alliance was experimenting on people at Miranda and you know, ninety percent of the population got so lethargic trying to breed out the violent tendencies that they all, all like just stopped doing anything and died then like the 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 five percent just got hyper aggressive and they became the reavers yeah because people because people couldn't stop trying to fix humanity no that's true i loved that little twist there that the 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 reavers were basically the central government's creation it was awful yeah devastating thought Devastating. Agreed. <sighs> what can we say, man? I mean, we could go in deeper and deeper. There is a lot, and I'm thinking like we 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 probably we're we're just glancing off the top of these things now at this point, and we're 140 minutes in, a little less. Well, you know, looking at the Cardassians, <laughs> everything was Central Command military. Most of the races that you run into in Star Trek are like military dictatorships. Yeah. You know, the Dominion Klingons. was a dictatorship. The Klingons were uh, a, mili- a militant monarchy. Romulans were democracy. The pro- they were senators. Yeah, but they were also oppressive. <laughs> True. It was, we it don't was really like a know. only. We don't really know how the Federation government works, which is good, by the way. It, we only knew that it was the Federation Council. But that was it. Each member world had a representative, so I'm assuming there was some sort of election. Yeah. Uh, some kind of Senate situation. Or appointment from president from the planetary leaders to appoint somebody to go to the, sit on the Federation Council. And in... Beta canon, they do have presidential elections where they would actually campaign and such. Hmm. Well, I'm I'm just glad that it was kept more ambiguous. I also like the idea that we don't know if the United States actually exists, but the individual states actually do. <laughs> so well, I'm they fine with that ambiguity. Regions. Yeah, they talk about the regions and everything. Kurtz from Iowa, Rikers from Alaska. Trips from Florida. His sister was from Florida. 
Well, remember, though, I, well, I mean, you don't know what happens in the United Earth timeline either. What now? Well, I mean, in Enterprise, you know, it's United Earth before the Federation. You don't know. I mean, is it like the United States sends a representative to United Earth along with the United Kingdom, China, Botswana, Lesotho, if they all send a representative to the Earth Council, that sort of thing. Yeah, no, true. True. It's just something to think about, man. I mean, most of the major races that you see in Star Trek, you've seen some form of political machination episode. Star Wars was all politics. No, it was. It was. It was, and, you know, we talked about that. (laughs) So, interesting. Got well, a lot what of do stuff you think, man? We we could we could keep going on this for a while, but what do you we think? We could. I think we I think we we hit we punched this balloon pretty well, and uh, that's a that's a good euphemism, I think. So. <laughs> well, in this case, I think we should bid our listeners adieu and take us out, my man. On that note, everyone, uh, I am P.S. McKay. Thank you for listening. And so long, everybody. And to all of you out there, we'll see you on the high ground. Those Sci-Fi Guys is an independent broadcast by Alpha Site Productions, produced by D.T. Cavman and P.S. McKay. Music courtesy of Kevin Cloud at Incompetech.com. For more information on upcoming episodes, follow P.S. McKay on Twitter at P.S. McKay, or go to thosesci-fi-guys.com for past episode information. 